0: ladies and gentlemen damas y caballeros it is never out of bounds you know who it is and, uh, today we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we got the, we got, uh, some world in the street. The United States has, has decided to leave the Human Rights Council. We're going to get into a little bit of that. And then, uh, we're going to get into the sports. We're going to get into some NHL news, some NFL, like we always do. Also some baseball. And then we're going to talk about some basketball trades. We're going to finish everything up with some basketball. Oh, and some boxing. We got a retirement announcement to talk about. So y'all stay tuned. Y'all keep it live. One love.
1: Come on. let's do it what it is this is what it is wow. yeah. another knocker kick this game around like soccer. Pull up a chair, let me make let you a play of a game that's season like a tasty like steak eight to eight, I've been serving them well I was serving Yale when L was rocking bells Clocking and mail. get, get, getting it copping it, flipping it, flip, flip, flipping it Now I'm spitting it bar for bar European whipping it call for card. No doho, you know I say no need you like Jaws, need a Jaws raincoat off the, the dango, Stay high as the star spangled Choke the blood out, your bitch get strangled Get yeah. mangled, fucking yeah. with this yeah. pimpin', yeah. Hot yeah. as Lipton, Stray J. Simpson yeah. You better pay attention, yeah. it's all ganged up Eat yeah. the bio, the file, see how, see how I came back I've been out there getting my job In the Skoda-O and Buddy Joe Getting rich in the wretched and ho Running and running and yeah. Trip, I Gotta stay with two hoes, two hoes. Stay with zippers, boy, I keep a few hoes. hoes Get boss and say, "Dawg, she goes When I I say, read my lips, read my lips. Bring me Cheta, bitch, bitch bring, bring me, chips. me chips Fingertips, ass, hips, and lips Follow my lead, don't ask questions, bitch I want fresh bits from ab and fits When it's going down, the Mac comes and shit The Mac comes spit, let me do it to your ear, baby I'm trying to flip, see I do it every year, baby Real off the lot hitting getting my cottage Jeez, jeez, please, please, freeze Stop it, you're headed down the wrong path Fuck making love, bitch, I want a tongue bath And dumb cash, can you do it like me? Cash a check at the bank with no ID Can you blow by me when I'm a hundred smackin', slapping in my five hundred. I've been out there getting my dough in the Skoda with O and Joe, getting grits in the trenches and ho running and running and living hoes rolling on roads and two, in two, in two foes. Foes. straight trip, I gotta stay with two hoes, stay with zippers boy I keep a few hoes, get balls and say, so friends, and lots of women I ride in the bins, but I squat the linen. I want to step turkey with all the trimmings To pay and play, extra innings I'm winning, fat ladies start singing I'm finna get the cool nut to start swinging Skate, dancing apes, when they run my plates Mile and make, I'ma shake, like I'm riding with a cake Pedal to the metal, rarely hit the break love a high speed getaway. They wanna get rid of Dre. Put the kid away. When I'm in today, I'm in a 7 series. It's so quiet you can't even hear the engine when I smash the gas. Just look at all that wood on the dash. It's I've been out there getting my job. In the Skoda the O. Bendolly Joe. Getting rich in the riches and home. Riding and riding and bibbing home. Rolling. Great trip, I gotta stay with two hoes, two hoes. Stay with zippers boy. I keep a few bows Get boss and say "Dawg, she blows She blows.
0: All right, my people, we are back. And as I stated before, the U.S. has decided to leave the United Nations Human Rights Council. Now, Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., said that she traveled to Geneva last year to call for many reforms. And this was pretty much what she was quoted as saying. For too long, the Human Rights Council has been a protector of human rights abusers and a cesspool of political bias. Now uh, Haley, as well as other members of, I, I believe the, the, I guess more conservative members of our government, were not huge fans of uh, of electing the Democratic Republic uh, of Democratic Republic of Congo last year to the board, and I, I guess also not holding sessions to uh, reel in Iran in terms of its uh, violence towards its political, uh, I guess. Uh, Detractors. Now, uh, there is some history of the Congo in, you know, with political strife and drama and violence. Uh, however, there is also, uh, as of, as of recently, uh, a, a real democratic or I guess just a stable government there, uh, set up. And violence has gone down and they have been making, uh, strides in order to improve their situation so uh, there's there's that um also one of the main issues that got her fed up as well as the rest of you know Trump's camp uh was agenda uh was I sorry agenda item 7 which is basically uh discusses the Gaza Strip and the West Bank and the issue with this is that this became a I wouldn't say daily. There wasn't there wasn't anything that said it was a daily thing, but it was a frequent topic of discussion. Uh, it was a frequent you know matter in which they had to address in terms of meetings. But if you look at what goes on there, it, it would make sense because there's always something going on there. And there's definitely some. Uh, turmoil and dysfunction there, and, you know, somebody would have to address it. Uh, as I, uh, uh, you know, just going back into, you know, some of these quotes and everything, and just how, uh, the Trump camp feels about it, I, I would under, I guess, uh, there's a track record, and there is a track record, uh, more so in the 90s, and maybe more so, I would say, in the 90s, and the early 2000s, with the Republic of Congo, in terms of its human rights violations, so on and so forth, yet, uh, what, What has changed, I'll say in the past 10 years or so, like I said, is a reduction in those crimes and a, and a movement toward a more stable government. And this is, was also not being said, um, and it's funny that the U.S. says that when they have their own issues in terms of either race, class or sex. Uh It's funny that a, a country that says all these countries violate human rights uh uh codes and this, that and the other allow their police force to shoot innocent black men without without arms. That's funny. That's that's I find that h- hilarious, actually. Uh, so it's just interesting to see, you know, just, just how this, this, uh, side of the government decides how they want to run things. Now, I'm not going to say I, I, I call for dissension among the ranks and all that, but I just call, call everybody just to read up on it and really understand what's going on. Um, again, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of issue. Like I said, they also took issue with them. I guess, uh, the UN not calling out Iran for the issues that they had. Again, you should be lucky. Nobody's really calling you out for your stuff, but and yet and still they have been called out for their shit. The U.S. just has decided they don't want to address their shit, but they rather, you know, point the blame at somebody else or uh, describe another situation, you know, to to kind of to kind of take the take the eyes off of them, you know, to take the attention away from them, you know, and I, you know. How I feel about the move is that's the move that they wanted to make, and that's what we got when we voted for him. Um, you know, they have their little reasons. Again, uh, they are entitled to that opinion, and that's what they decided to do. Uh, as far as far as me being a fan, look, there is there is issues I feel that uh, aren't being addressed by the UN, um, and a lot of those issues are happening here in the U.S. So that that's for one. Uh, but do I, f- I mean, and, and, and maybe some political bias? Sure. Uh, definitely. But, you know, uh, that goes, that goes always. And I think it benefits the U.S. at sometimes, sometimes too. So for the U.S. to feel like, you know, it's calling that out or calling for some type of reform when there's reforms that need to be made in their own country, referring to these things. I, again, I, I just, I just find it amusing. Amusing to say the least. Well, y'all, we're gonna take a break from that, and we'll be back. We're gonna talk about uh, the Washington Capitals. Now they just won their first championship, but the coach that took them there looks like they're gonna have to. They're gonna be letting them go. Well, he's walking away. So we'll be right back. We're gonna talk a little bit about that, and like I said, we're gonna get into the rest of these sports, NFL and the NBA. So y'all, y'all keep tuned. Hi, right, my people. We are back, and we are gonna dive into this sports report now, some about these millionaire billionaire people and their unwillingness just to pay people they just don't want to do it. they don't want to give people money they they rather keep the money to themselves now Barry Trot, former coach of the uh, Washington Capitals, had his contract expire uh, just recently now. As you all know, the Washington Capitals have won their first title in about their 45-year existence after years of second-round, first-round futility. I don't even think they made it, at least to their conference finals in terms of the Stanley Cup playoffs, so let alone um, the Stanley Cup. Now... With the championship win, Barry Trots was supposed to be getting at least a two-year extension. Now I would have added three, four years. Uh he's been there since 2015, I believe, if not 2014. And he's had a 205 to 89 record, which has been the, the uh the best in the past four years, uh the highest average. And he's also led, uh, he's also won his division, which is the Metro Division, three straight times. The first year he started, they finished second. Now, this was probably their this yeah this matter of fact this was their second worst record since he's been there, but they win the Stanley Cup championship. The past two years, they were 55 win, uh, fifty five went fifty-win. 50 plus one team, a 50 plus one squad. Now, I don't get it. I don't see how you miss out on that. Um, Maybe you look at, you know, his exits in the second round uh, as a knock against him. But at the same time, if he's winning you your first championship, that means something. And, And to be all honest with you, the team has, for the most part, improved. As we can see, since he's been there, uh, that's just one of those moves that that leave you go, that leave you scratching your head. And the cold part is he's now signed to the Islanders, which are a division rival. So it it's it's pretty dumb on the Capitals part. Uh, if you want to install a winning culture, in my opinion, from what I've seen, you keep the you keep the aspects of what helps you win there, and you let go of the bad parts. You let go of the players or the personnel that didn't get you over the hump. When you win a championship, i I would most likely want to retain the head coach. Why not? Uh, it was a dis a disagreement about money, of course. You know, Capitals didn't want to pay whatever millions that that Barry Trotz felt he was entitled to get, which he was since he brought your team your first ever title. So that's a very interesting choice on the Cavs management. It's interesting to see what happens next year, because I'm pretty sure with his track record, uh, he had a pretty extensive tenure at Nashville, in which I'm pretty sure they did see some playoff experience. I did see some improvement in, in their record and things like that. Uh it, you know, and the fact that they're in a division, mm, you know what that dict- You know what that means—rivalry. And if if Barry Trotz is able to get the best of the Capitals and keep them either out of the playoffs or kick them out of the playoffs, then mm, it's a bad look. Bad look. Mm. Not a good look, y'all. I didn't think that was smart. Um, that bothers me. Sorry. <laughs> now, in the NFL news, we're going to talk about every year, you know, you have your standouts in the in minicamp. You have your rookies who you know who are going to play or maybe going to need some time to develop. But there's always that one group. Now, I've been in this group at one point. It's just the way it is. These are the players on the bubble, the players that could start. They could get playing time or they could get cut. It's just the fact of the matter. Uh, these players have various amounts of experience, and you know the process. Of, the process of them coming here—it's is all different. We're gonna talk about a couple here, and this season uh, or this off season for some of these people is pretty much uh, for as as. As far as, you know, this season goes, or at least the first half of this season goes, this is their this is their debut, or this is, I'm sorry, this is their audition. Uh, let's get right off to it. Let's talk about Menelik Watson, offensive, tack, uh, offensive tackle from the Denver Broncos. He was signed last year uh, to play right tackle, but he missed nine games, and he also struggled with pass protection. When I played football, I struggled with this as well. I might as well admit it now. It's, it's a tough game. But got to take your lumps. I understand where they're coming from, and then on the right side, it's pretty much probably why they put him on the right side because that's the dominant run side of the running side of the ball. So that makes sense. Uh, however, uh, at, over the offseason, season, it, it seems that Jared Veld here has taken his spot. Now he has been working on the inside at guard, but uh, the the Broncos are really deep at all line, and they have some youth there, so it's possible. That he's more than likely, unless he blows somebody away at at guard uh, or just shows that he's capable there, or maybe center or whatever, probably not center, but one of the two guard positions, maybe he can retain a spot based on, I believe, maybe his experience. He has been playing a while. Uh, if you don't remember, mentally, Watson, he was a Raider at one point. I believe he was drafted by the Raiders. So he does have experience. Now, if he can stay healthy, if he can, you know, contribute to some way on the inside of the interior, because I think they have a few tackles, uh, but they don't necessarily have guard. So he might be able to find a role there if if he can find his if he, if he can find his way in the interior, then he has a shot he can't make it as a tackle. They pretty much have all the youth the bodies there pretty much and uh he already has a, has an issue with pass protection which is very critical especially on the left side tackle. Uh they had him playing right tackle like I said that's run dominant but again you're going to have to have some pass pro there too. This is just this is just how the league is is, is going. Um next player on the bubble we got John Simon defensive end from the Indianapolis uh Indianapolis Colts. Now he played at outside linebacker uh last year, and that tells me he was running a three four defense, and that's three down linemen and four linebackers. Uh I believe it would probably it, it depend and it depends on who's running it, but definitely like I said, the, the base formation is three down linemen, four uh four linebackers. Uh he missed seven games, but was one of their best defensive players. Now this is why I think he's going to be in a somewhat of a pickle uh, because they're going to be moving, like I figured, this is what I figured. They're going to be moving to a 4 3 defense. So that means he's going to be uh, more than likely. On the, on the, actually on the defensive line now, uh, probably more at end. And this is the issue. A, he hasn't played, um, this is, he's been in the league for six years and he hasn't played since, played defensive line since his college time at Ohio State. And he's also undersized at one. Uh, 250, I think 250 part is, uh, weight doesn't matter it's more so strength but definitely six one makes it difficult i would see making it very difficult along the d-line i would say the shortest you could really be would probably be 6'4 that's pushing it that's really pushing it you would have to have Super strength is and it's guys like that, but you got to have the, the shorter you are I would just imagine you have to have either speed be really speedy and ha- And have some strength to go with it, too Now he might be able to have that but I don't see why they wouldn't try to convert him to a just outright linebacker Anyways, and just call it a day. Just have him be a fixture and part of the rotation I think that somebody I mean they already said he's one of the best defense better defensive players There's no way he couldn't be there's no way you couldn't convert him to a 4-3 linebacker 4-3 is just simply four, like I said, four down linemen and three linebackers. I mean, there's no way he, like, he might not be a starter, but it's not like he can't be a rotation guy. He can't, you know, sub in for somebody every now and again. So I I, I think uh, he might have a shot. I think he has probably one of the better shots at making his roster this year and getting some, some significant burns. Now, we're going to talk about Dominic Easley. Uh, this is a D-lineman from the, the LA Rams. Now, he suffered a, a a torn ACL during training camp last year and couldn't play for the entire season. Now, he signed to a one-year deal uh, at the start of the offseason. Now, he only recorded three and a half sacks and two forced fumbles in, in 2016. And at the at this moment, he'll have to compete with the likes of Michael Brockers and Dominic Sue. And Aaron Donald. Uh, now I don't know his his uh, stats in terms of his height and all that, but uh, he's definitely not going to be eating too much for, around with with Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and Dominique suit. Um, no, I, I, you know, especially with the three and a half sacks. I mean, he he'll probably they might make him a practice squad guy. They might end up cutting him. Uh, I'm not too sure where he fits in. And competes with those guys and really, well, you never know. I mean, he could probably, a, a lot of those, a couple of those guys could probably get double teams. He can probably fit in there doing something like that cleanup work. Uh, if he could probably be a good cleanup tackler, then yeah, yeah, I, I'll take that back. He could be a good cleanup guy given, given circumstances. Uh, let's see, let's move on. And we're going to finish it off with Brandon Marshall, ride receiver of the Seahawks. Now, he signed a one-year deal with the Seahawks in May. Now, he's only guaranteed 90 k And that's because he's 34. And that's pretty much, you know, that's that's ancient. That's like 80 in football years. You know, of course. Even though, you know, we know these athletes can do amazing things. We already saw Terrell Owens run a 4-4 at 44. That's, <sighs> bro, I ran a 4-7. Four or eight in high school. He he's smoking me, dog. He's smoking me, dude. That's that's ridiculous. That's and that doesn't make me feel bad. That's just like man, dude. That's that's solid. That's that's the athlete. But anyway, let's get back into Brandon Marshall. Now he's coming back from toe and ankle injuries, and you know he's playing for the Giants last year. Um, he didn't really perform that well. Oh, well, that was when he was suffering his injuries. He didn't really put up, and he he and he's been in terms of production the last couple of years anyways i'll give him through training camp let's see what happens in the preseason i i see him retiring at some point i i don't i'm surprised he's still around to be honest with you that really surprises me um 34 uh like i said all the injuries he's had for the last few years he's still athletic though um, and and given the fact that Russell Wilson is trying to develop himself as a passer, he needs all the able hands he can get, and whoever's willing to go catch a pass for him. Uh, so, it, it, barring that he doesn't have any significant injuries and he's still athletic enough to get open, uh, he plays. I guess he he's a part of the rotation. I would say. Uh, I would say probably their third or fourth string to be honest with you and i mean and 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 given that he could probably you know like i said barring any injury he could probably end his career on a solid note because uh if if Russell Wilson is able to develop uh, able to stay upright this season—that's the main thing now. You know, given the fact that they don't have a running game, it's going to be well. He's going to be more of a focus, and is he going to step up to the plate? I think he's—he's he's, of all this, of all the, the the running quarterbacks or the quarterbacks that I see that can scramble and make plays with their feet and run, and not just you know scramble. We're not just talking about scrambling out the way of tackles, a la Dan Marino or Ben Roethlisberger. We're talking about—that's actually an aspect of the game. We're talking about Randall Cunningham. We're talking Michael Vick's. Of those type of guys i'll be honest with you russell russell uh wilson is probably the a1 of those quarterbacks he's already got this, the, the the super Bowl. uh he's already you know proven that he can pass the ball efficiently uh at least better than those guys uh i think and he, i think he's on par with uh at least on par with the the top uh Quarterbacks in the league, believe it or not. I, I know what people would want to say, but I definitely think he's on par with the with Manning. I definitely think, well, would well, you know, uh, sorry, um, on par with Brady. Uh, he's on par with, uh, sorry, Ben Roethlisberger, and I know he's better than you know, you know, the rest of those guys like the Bortles, the Blake Bortles of the world. So, um, I even think he, I can give him a notch over Dak Prescott, to be honest with you. I think he's a little bit of a better runner, and I think he's a he's 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 not. I don't think he has the deepest of arms. The the, the he throws with the, much velocity or as far down the field, but he definitely is the most accurate out of the two. So uh, he could possibly help him out, and they could be a playoff team. And I think and I think with that being said, if he's able to do that, that would I would look good for Brandon Marshall, kind of ending his career at least on a playoff on a playoff run. That'd be cool. Uh let's get to the MLB let's talk about some baseball here now there's been an issue in the past few years with with players especially even the all-stars uh this year in particular with striking out now this year uh players are striking out twenty two and a half and a half percent of the time uh this is this well in total number this relates to 18,615 strikeouts as opposed to 18,136 hits. Now, that is crazy. Now, NL teams, National League teams, have only four teams with more hits than strikeouts. But it's not necessarily affecting their overall success. The Arizona Diamondbacks have the lowest batting average at two twenty-seven they have 135 more strikeouts than hits but they are first place in the NL West the brewers uh have been shut out at least 10 times this is the most in the MLB they have a 3 point i'm sorry a .316 on-base percentage and have grounded out into the most double plays in the uh in the league but guess what their first place in the NL central 41 players to play yesterday were batting at 200 or excuse me Tuesday were batting at 200 or less Cleveland is the only team in the AL central with a winning record and they also have their hitting issues now I, I had to delve a little bit into some into some research, and I said, "Well, if the hitting bad, if the hitting is bad, then you gotta have you gotta have a pitching to balance you out. You gotta have some solid pitching." And this is what I found out: the Cleveland Indians have two of the top uh, two of the top pitchers in the league. They got Corey Kluber at number six and Trevor Bauer at number nine. And this is based all on ERA. And you know wins and losses, losses, excuse me, so on and so forth. Now Milwaukee also has a top twenty pitcher in Julie Shashin with a six and two record and a three point one eight ERA. Now in terms of the Cleveland pitchers, they both have a hundred Ks, and they also have two more pitchers. With a uh, ninety or more Ks. Now these are strikeouts. When I refer to Ks, this is baseball terminology. My bad for those who don't know. That just means strikeouts. Okay. Now, now this is this is interesting. I mean, because obviously, I think what it what it means to me is, yeah, the hitting has gone down, but that's only because it's seen. It this is it's obvious. The pitching has gone up. The talent has gone up. Um, you have pitch, like I said, you have uh, two pitchers on a team. They're both in the top 10. On one day, this is one team. They're both in the top 10 in terms of pitching. They both have over 100 strikeouts. They both have over five wins. And you have two more pitchers on their roster with over 90 strikeouts. So they're effectively taking bats out the game that's that's uh, it's not so much that the batters suck it's just so much that the pitchers are being the pitchers are better than they've ever been and i think we should support we should be excited about that just as much i mean i, I and i guess it's hard because baseball is always i guess baseball will always be about the home run i remember when i was a kid before i found out about the steroids and all that the only thing that got me really into baseball back then was that home run contest between uh King Griffey, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. So so, so I I get it. Uh, People love to see those home runs, but, I mean, that's obviously – we obviously know that's not the only aspect of baseball. So it's just interesting. Now, in terms of actual uh, games today, uh, we got – as we speak, uh, we got the uh, Yankees and the Mariners. Uh, They're getting into the the sixth inning, and the Yankees are at 4-2. to And also the Twins – are losing to the Red Sox 2-0. to zero, And we're getting into the fifth, the fifth inning of that game as well. Uh, so a couple more games on tap later on for today. We got the Mets versus the Rockies, the Orioles versus, versus the Nationals and the Belt Ray rivalry. Then we also got the Cars versus the Brewers and the NL Central, another rivalry there. And then, uh, the A's and the White Sox. All right. Now, uh, we're gonna take another break here. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk about the NBA. I told you we got some trade news. Dwight Howard is on the move. And also, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kawhi and then some draft pick news. Uh, this should be interesting. So, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Tread. She can do this, she can do that.
2: Low. That ass kind of fat, I see it from the front, but I love it from the back. And them Jimmy Choo pumps make a nigga want that. A few bottles in nouveau, watered ass too. Call me VIP. Why you mean they get in though? He said daddy bowling, why you sitting on the bench? He said he was a pimp, why he looking like a sent out? Go. The minute that I see you want a venue means something like a pretzel, but your man wouldn't let you. He was front frying, fr- 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 cause I'm stuck, stuck, stuck in diamond chains. Gucci shades, cause that money means nothing, means nothing. I get a lot of dough, my name is Trev, you know I run the show. But keep it on the low, cause baby, we can roll. And leave this club so you can drop it low. Let's go. She can do
1: this, she can do that.
2: I dive head first like the Navy, baby My tongue get crazy, she shaking, baby That's why nobody do it like I do it, yeah Shorty six, so I'm on her like swine flu Long hair nails that she only like five two? Rotate, she only gave me the side view No way, I'm only here to remind you That you could get the business, what's a nigga in it? I just wanna hit in and see so you dropping low Until you touch the flow So you could get low and low and low and low
1: Shake do this, shake do that
2: Low, baby. I want to see you get down. I want to see you get low, baby. I want to see you get down. I want to see you get low, baby. I want to see you get down. I want to see you get low, baby. I want to see you get down.
0: A'ight, my people. Let's get into this hoop news. Now, the Charlotte Hornets traded Dwight Howard yesterday to the Brooklyn Nets for Timafei Mozgov. The Nets will, at this point, be able to save $17 million, allowing them space to sign two mass contracts. Now, Charlotte gets two future second-round picks and some cash. Mozgov will be owed $33 million Over the next two years. Charlotte. MJ. How the the fuck you let Brooklyn fleece you. With Timothy Mosgoth. Did you not. Oh no. That's because you got Mitch Kupchak. As your GM. That's the dumb person. Who signed him. To that old ridiculous ass contract. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Why he was with the Lakers, that was ridiculous. What was you thinking, bruh? And he going to get him back. For what? Two future second round picks. We all know second round draft picks are so, so at best. And some cash. What that, That's going to offset the $33 million you got to owe him over the next two years. Now, the White is in a potentially cool spot because they get to sign two mass contracts. That could mean two solid players. That means he might get a playoff run. Brooklyn could get a playoff run, but y'all won't. MJ, who did you hire? Somebody needs to pull your owner card. Sorry, bro. He was the best player of all time, but you're a shitty owner, bro. I'm going to call it like I see it. Oh, and by the way, they are contemplating... And they're willing to take offers for Kimber Walker. (sighs) Who they going to trade him for? Why? They going to trade him for Isaiah Thomas and a bag of Skittles. Yep. I said it. I said it here first. Now, let's go to the Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard, this guy here. Now, Kawhi met with Greg Pop yesterday. And they pretty much were, I guess they discussed how Kawhi was mistreated. And a situation about his quad was mishandled. They were going to meet regardless. Uh, that was uh, the word that Popovich wanted to, uh, you know, you know, be held accountable for and hold himself to. He made sure they talked. He tried to put his mind control on him. Please don't go. Please don't go. Well, Kawhi is apparently mad at Tony Parker. And, uh. If you don't know, I'll take you back a little bit. I want to say in either March or February, something like that. I could even be off a little bit, maybe even January. It was somewhere near almost, you know, near the mid part of the season or almost to the end. And there was a team meeting. Uh, They talked to Kawhi. They tried to call Kawhi out. Uh, Manu and Tony Parker, uh, the two quote unquote leaders of that team. I call them the old farts because I think they should have retired at least a couple of years ago and opened up a roster spot for somebody young and on Ka- Kawhi's level physically and athletically so they can keep up with the Warriors. You cannot keep up with the Warriors with two old men. But anyways, I digress. They uh, called himself, uh, sorry, uh, Kawhi out. Tony Parker stated that I, you know, we've heard this one uh, through the media. If you haven't, this is what he was kind of claiming. I've had the same injury. It was a lot worse, so on and so forth. But I came back, and I came back for some playoff game, whatever. So, basically, all that to basically say that, you know, Kawhi was faking it. Um. Now, he did tell the media he will leave for L.A. in 2019, regardless of where he's traded to, if if it doesn't happen to be uh, the Lakers. Now, there might have been a leg injury. Uh, There might have been some issue in which how Greg Pop felt about it or about him taking time away to handle it or San Antonio media. Or even the San Antonio training staff felt about it. There might have been some rift. Kawhi might have felt some type of way about whatever rift or however they felt. Obviously, the players felt some type of way about it. But with just the way the story and everything came out, I I, I don't want to drop a bombshell here. I don't want to, you know. Set anybody off, but I think he wanted to go to L.A. from the start. Not mean from the start of his career, but at least from the start of the season. Um, again, I, I think you almost look at a, a LeBron James situation. They basically are are sitting there waiting for these con- for these guys, these two old guys, to just go about their way and retire. When they should have made when he should have made room a long time ago, at least by moving one of them, cutting one of them. You know, it's ridiculous. I and I'll be honest with you, Tony Parker was never the greatest of all offensive guys, but when he was younger, he could do something. But how at however old he is right now, I don't I think he's he's taking a, a, a roster spot. Him and Manu. I think they're they're six men at best. If they really want to be a factor of role players. Uh, and I think that stifles Kawhi, that's been stifling Kawhi. I think he's wanted uh, change. Uh, there's a lot that's been said about San Antonio as a city, being a backwater city, whatever. Uh, I don't think that that matters to him. I think the way that the system and I think the staff and I think the overall environment of the team facilities in general it was what was a turnoff for Kawhi. It's as, it seems to be a little bit too sterile for him. Don't get me wrong, he likes the continuity. He liked the continuity. He liked being able to go to the playoffs. But if all your help is going to be is old-ass Manu, old-ass Tony Parker, or whatever or whatever old or aging veteran power forward or centers they want to get you and then you got a bench of of whoever they want to put together because that's, that's really what it is pretty much and they and don't get me wrong like greg Popovich is a good coach and that's what makes it look like it's working on the surface but let's let's get it let's get it lit let's keep it lit here they they were not winning a title at any point they could get close with Kawhi. they were gonna get close but they 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 have they're too surrounded by old people they have two old people who don't need to be playing no more. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna keep it lit with you, and he didn't want to play with them no more. They're not gonna take him where he needs to go. They already been. They already accomplished what they need to accomplish. He's trying to go there now, and he's won his one, of course. But they're not the same players, and he wants you. He probably wants youth. He wants virility. He wants fun in his life now. So. San Antonio I'm just going to, have to get with it. Now, finally, in terms of this basketball, potential NBA prospect, well, NBA prospect Mo Bamba had uh, refused to has been refusing to work out with Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies. He didn't want to con- be contacted by them. He didn't want to uh, give them a physical or medical report. He also stated that he didn't even want to be drafted by them. Uh, this is, this has gotten Memphis to the point where they're looking to trade out of their pick due to prospects not wanting to play there. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you, uh, promote mediocrity by signing mediocre at best players to long-term deals and committing just to doing the bare minimum in order to fill quote unquote seats. And I hope Memphis learns a lesson. And I hope next year attendance drops so they'll learn an even more lesson. Cut Michael, well, well, don't sign Michael Conley, players like Michael Conley, to $100 million contracts. And don't get people like Chandler Parsons to fill up roster spots. Because obviously, now I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you Mike Conley. He puts up okay numbers. But Chandler Parsons, no. You played yourself. So nobody wants to play, but they know they ain't going to get that much money compared to somebody like a Chandler Parsons. You're crazy. Nobody wants to play with them. They get no respect. When you got, when you got players like Rasheed Wallace, Steven Jackson, Keyon Martin taking shots, OGs, oh the legends taking shots at him like that, your team's trash. Sorry, bro. Nobody wants to play for y'all. And I hope y'all learned the lesson. Stop trying to just do the the bare minimum just for your bottom line, just for your pockets. So come back and bite you. Watch. That team's going to end up folding in a couple of years. Keep playing around. They don't get their shit together. They're going to end up having to move or something. Yeah, I said it right here. I said it right here. They garbage enough for it to have it happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. We're going to move on to the boxing. We're going to get inside the ring. At 28 years old, the year older to me, by the way, Adrian Brana, AB, about billions, former member of the money team camp, has decided to officially retire. Now, over the past couple of months, I say even throughout the course of the year, He's putting out these cryptic, bizarre tweets, and just having overall reckless, really weird behavior. Uh, there was a press conference for Showtime Boxing, and uh, he's just really just belligerent, talking mad stuff, mugging at the camera, and then uh, in terms of his tweets, you know, he's just been saying stuff of, like you know he doesn't really want to live anymore, stuff like that, and uh, basically, uh, yesterday he decided to tweet that he's officially done with boxing. It's over. Too so many people trying to, you know, screw him over, which is a part of the game. It happens. Um, and unfortunately, uh, in his last couple of fights, uh, against Sean Porter, and I want to say Jesse Vargas, he has looked like he's been given the raw end of the deal. Um, and it's sad. Uh it's sad that a brother that talented, uh feels like he has to walk away from the sport and it kinda it, it, it bothers me but you know having been a fan of the man having watched the man uh, since since his uh, career inception you know he uh that was that was a part of his 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 persona you know he had a weird he had a real flashy cocky persona and he was uh, an act in and out of the ring and that and people like that um, when you're when you're when you're winning, uh, a lot of people find it annoying. Uh, I was on the fence about it. I personally liked the skills. I thought he could be a Mayweather-esque fighter. I didn't. I, and I don't want to put that as to say he could be a clone of him, but just in terms of what he could bring to the table defensively and counter punching wise, I thought he. Fit along those lines uh, of being one of those type of fighters, one of those type of boxers, a boxer, a true boxer puncher. Um, But he had a fight that I feel exposed him. Uh, not only exposed him as a boxer, uh, it, exposed, it not only exposed his flaws as a boxer, it exposed his uh, flaws as a man. And this was the fight against uh, Marcos Maidana. Marcos, my daughter, took it to him for about 12 rounds. If I'm not mistaken, damn near knocked him out, knocked him down and had that man going crazy. You know, he had it out of his element. You know, he ramped up his 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 acting tenfold. You know, he, he was humping on the man, you know, humping on my Donna in the middle of the ring, you know, at cor- in the course of the fight, just because he's he's getting his ass handed to him and he had no other recourse but to act out, you know, like a kid. And you saw maturity issues. And I saw maturity issues there. Um, even as a y- another young man growing up, I'm like, oh man, you know, coming up. I'm like, damn, this man. He tripping, you know. But it never it not it's not like it ever stopped. He kept, you know, uh he kept putting it out there, you know. Uh there was this one fight he had, uh I forgot what against uh I forgot against Woodruff Boxer, but he had one and he's after the fight he's over there man you know i could be anybody mexican african anybody can get it you know he's a shit talker he's a pot stirrer but you gotta be able to fight you gotta be able to to win um and there's so much uh there's so much media hype around the pushing of the the ghetto acting of black people in general and just the, the outgoing nature and that To that extreme, not just us being outgoing and just being somebody that's charismatic. There's this, 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 this urban element they feel that they have to highlight. And and Adrian was just one of those athletes that they would highlight on and focus on. But the cold part is, you know, they wouldn't give him the decisions after that Mardana fight. No matter how well he fought now, mind you, he he really outboxed Sean Porter. 12 rounds Uh, he took his lumps but uh, came back in that fight and uh, pretty much shut him out but he wasn't given a decision and I think that's due highly to his persona Uh, it waned on people and they didn't want to give him an outlet they didn't want to give him fuel to keep that going. And um it sucks because, you know, it, it's almost like uh the rapper that passed away, Ex Excentation, whatever y'all call him, called him. Excuse me. I apologize for mispronouncing his name. It's just a weird-looking name. Sorry. Um you know, much of the energy that, you know, he put out there And as with AB, you know, he put out that cocky energy. He put out that I don't give a damn mentality, you know. And it came back to bite him, you know. Uh, Judges looked at him for what it was and and said, well, did he really, you know, and there's a lot of you. You got to understand boxing can be can be rigged. It can be um, uh, manipulated. The school call. Yeah, it happens. Uh, But you give them a reason. When they don't like you. So when you you know when you get into dislike you for some reason, and this is why boxing isn't equalizer, because at the end of the day, if you're knocking these cats out, like Deontay Wiley, you don't have too much to worry about. But when you're not, you know, you gotta be really, you know, keen on on boxing. And I think he lost track of that. I think he got into the hype about it. You know, at one point in time he wanted to be a rapper. He was a rapper. Then came back in the ring off bat, had a gut, and everything all on the interview. I want to say that was before the Madonna fight. You know, he just, he wasn't focused. And I think, you know, when he got back focused, it, it was maybe, maybe it was too late. At that point, you know, boxing has said, look, man, we've had about enough of you. Who knows? And maybe he felt that. Maybe he did. I don't know. And it, But it's unfortunate. He's He's 28. He uh, he has some years left in him athletically, you could tell. Uh but I was I was looking at it uh at least from the last fight, last couple of fights, like man, they don't really want to give him the decisions like right now. You know. He's pissed somebody off. <laughs> He's definitely pissed somebody off. Alright, yo, we're gonna wrap today's show up. Uh we're gonna try to be back tomorrow. And uh gonna be the same thing. War on the street. Um, you know what? I might even do a TV show review for y'all. Yeah, I think so. I think we're gonna do that. And we are. St- I just finished the script up, uh, for the great, for the great drink commercial. So y'all keep an eye on that. We're gonna be shoot. I'm gonna want I'm gonna be wanting to shoot that soon. So y'all keep an eye out. So this is El Jamal. Once again, this is never out of bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts.
1: And as for today, I'm signing off, y'all. Peace out.